breakthrough cases, surges in hospitalizations, COVID testing scams, it's fair to say that after all of this, our nerves are just a bit frayed. So if you're now hearing about the so-called stealth variant or Omicron subvariant, you might be feeling a little panicked. But like we've been doing every step of the way so far, let's get some more information so that we can better protect ourselves. Here to help us out is Dr. Emily Landon, infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago. Welcome back, Dr. Landon. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you again. You too. Tell us, though, how worried should folks be about this subvariant? I have no idea. I got to be perfectly honest with you. It could be really bad or it could be or in, in the by saying really bad, it could be like a redo of what we've just done for the past six weeks or it could be nothing at all. And it's really impossible to know at this point. What exactly, from what you know so far, what makes it different from Omicron? Well, it appears to be a cousin of Omicron, pretty similar to Omicron with a couple of differences that are, you know, get to why people are calling it stealth, which I don't think is a very good name for it. The thing that it is being, it's being claimed to be replacing Omicron in a number of countries in Europe. And that appears to be true. The question that's still open is, is it just another kind of Omicron that's just doing what Omicron was doing? And we're past our Omicron time. And so Omicron's burned its way through. So it's similar enough that it won't cause any additional problems. Or is it going to cause the same things that Omicron has caused and be, be able to reinfect individuals who just had Omicron. That's the part where there's a little bit of confusion. Mm. We don't know very much about its severity, but there doesn't appear to be any increases in severity. There are some people who are looking at the data coming out of Denmark and France and saying, it looked like the cases were coming down and now they're going back up again. We think that, and there's some, some reports of reinfections, early reinfections, when people recently had Omicron you know, take one, and now they're having Omicron take two. So that would be really, really sad if that happened yeah. here. Well, you know, my thoughts are, you know, if infectious disease specialists are still confused about this, imagine how the rest of us feel right now. Yeah, it's just too new. We can't possibly know yet. And the data are still not clear to me. It's possible, It's I would put it in the realm of possibility that it can cause reinfections and that it could reignite um, another surge. But I think that's unlikely, to be perfectly honest with you. I would need to see more data and more um, concerning data coming out of some European countries that have more cases than we do or more concerning data coming out of the places that have it here um, in order for me to say we need to step up our like uh, step up and, and be more uh, sort of be prepared for another wave. I also would say, though, that it's not the right time to pull back on things like masks and vaccine requirements. I would say we should stick with those until we know we have a good um, understanding of what sort of damage this is likely to cause. Yeah. Well, you, you brought up the other countries. I know globally this subvariant has been spotted in India in Europe, um, where it's uh, appearing most widespread in Denmark. What do, you think, right. what do you think we can learn from virologists over there? So what we're seeing is that they did have a peak that they thought was due to, that was clearly due to Omicron. They sequenced a lot of their very, a lot of cases there. And so that's a, a, one of the places where we can see these things emerge. We, other places might have it and not know. And what we see is that their numbers went up like ours did, and then they started to come down just like ours did, and then they started to go back up again. 
But that could just be artifact in the way the cases are reported. It could be sort of, it's sort of hard to know if the hospitalizations are going to be smooth or if they're going to go down and come back up again. Is it really that this second, the subvariant is taking over where Omicron left off and just completing Omicron's work for it? Cause mm-hmm. it's a little, you know, faster or better in some way, but it, that would be really different than if it were able to sort of repeat, go back and hit those same people again. That would be a real problem for us because what you want is to know that the people who just had Omicron are going to provide us a cushion of immunity that are going to help um, reduce the likelihood of another variant coming through in the short term future. That would be sort of the, the, the silver lining to the trouble that we've recently been having with Omicron would be that it looks like it'll be great for the spring because we built up all this extra immunity. Mm -hmm. But if there's another one that can come back through and, you know, re-hit those people again, then uh, that would be pretty sad. So bringing it back closer to home, there have been no cases of this subvariant so far reported in Chicago. Uh, It has shown up in other parts of the country, though. Do you have those numbers? Yeah, there's a few cases in Texas, and those are the ones that I know about. It. There may have been others announced this morning, um, but it's really three cases, and those people weren't super sick. It's I don't know what to do with three cases of anything. I mean, this is obviously BA2, this subvariant, is going to get everywhere because nothing doesn't get anywhere, everywhere these days. You can't stop these variants. Right. The question is whether it's just going to be, you know, who cares? I, you know, you either had, you know, it's that whole thing about either I have six or half dozen, right? It's the same thing. Doesn't really matter. It's really only a problem if it if it has add on issues, like it can reinfect people or it could make people sicker. And so far, there doesn't appear to be any evidence that it can make people sicker or that it's even more contagious. I d- I don't know. We need a lot more data before I can say anything definitive about any of that. Any reason to believe that this subvariant will evade testing? No. So that that whole stealth thing is a little bit of an issue here. And I can explain that if you have one minute here. Yes. So the way that the way that PCR tests work is that they look for these little targets. They can't sequence the entire genome, like the whole virus that you have in you. That takes forever. But instead, they sort of look for a snapshot. So imagine that you had a a string of Christmas tree lights that were colored. It's like saying, I'm going to look for the pattern of red, yellow, red, yellow, green, green, blue, red. And if I've got that pattern, that order of lights together, then I know that's the one that I want to keep. Or that, you know, analogous would be looking for base pairs in RNA, but then that would be uh, COVID, right? And these tests look for three different of those target sequences somewhere in the virus's genome. And you really want it to hit on all three, but hitting on two is fine too. And most of the tests in the United States use gene targets that code for stuff like the nuclear capsid or other proteins. They avoid using targets that make up the spike protein because the spike protein changes and mutates the most whenever the virus changes. Some, some American tests have one target that is, includes the spike protein. And many European tests have one target that includes the spike protein. The, in the past, there was, I think Alpha did this and, and Omicron does this, where it mutated the part that's in that particular test. So if you use the, one of those targets on the spike protein, it looks like it hits on two, but it doesn't hit on the other one. And that was sort of a quick and dirty workaround mm-hmm. to say, this is an Omicron, not a Delta, because Delta doesn't do that. 
So this is different. The reason they're calling this stealth is because it doesn't have that mutation. And so it just hits on all three targets. So the tests are actually better for this test. I mean, if, if you were to think of it that way, okay. um, it, it's, and we would ne we never see that the test we use at university of Chicago hit on all three for all the things that we've had. And so we don't, we wouldn't have been able to tell Omicron before, and this shouldn't change with this one. So I don't think the testing will be any different. Yeah. Well, you know, people's faith in the reliability of tests has been, tested. So I wonder what you would say to people listening now who wonder about whether or not they could trust COVID tests. Yeah. So I think people in general have this blind faith in medical tests that they can somehow figure out like definitely yes, definitely no. And that's not how any medical test is. And there's always this gray zone. We choose, there are human beings that look at the data that is returned by any sort of testing thing that happens, and we decide what the cutoff is going to be. And that cutoff means that some people are going to have false negatives and some people are going to have false positives. And that is always the case with any medical test that you have. That's why there's a range of normal for your hemoglobin or your white blood cells, right? But you can't have a range of normal for COVID. So you have to pick something. And these, a lot of people are concerned because these rapid antigen tests are often not positive in the beginning of illness. They're not positive because you don't have enough virus yet. And they really only are positive when you're at that peak, that peak level of viral load. And that's a shorter window than a PCR test, which tests for a much lower amount of virus around. And so it has a much bigger window of being positive. They're not better. One test isn't better than the other test. It's just that you need to think about using them differently. Yeah. And people don't generally think about themselves as having a changing viral load of COVID as they're going through their illness. They just think of themselves as either having COVID or not having COVID. And the reality is that that's not how it works. You know, one day you don't have COVID. The next day you have a little bit of COVID. The next day you have a little bit more COVID. The next day you have a lot of COVID and so on and so forth. And the tests just detect different amounts that you have in you. And then there's the issue with some people don't really like to stick those swabs up their nose as much as they should or put not the wrong fun. number of drops in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not fun at all. Uh, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you are just tuning in, I am talking about the Omicron subvariant with Dr. Emily Landon. She's an infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago. Coming up in just over five minutes on the program, we're going to get an update on this push by Democrats to address the black maternal health crisis. So stay with us for that conversation. Dr. Landon, the World Health Organization is encouraging officials to study the subvariant separately from the original Omicron or BA1. Why is that important? Yeah because they're concerned that it might be able to cause these reinfections. They don't want it to just be lumped in with the, uh, with the old Omicron and just count them together because we might miss the fact that, we are, that there are uh, reinfections happening in some people that recently had Omicron. And so I think that's the right thing to do. It's the, oh, it's the more cautious way of looking at it. But we need more cautious ways of looking at these things because if we don't have good epidemiology, we can't flag or be aware that these waves are coming. And the more we know that the waves are coming, the easier it is to put things into place to help protect people and protect businesses and protect patients and to do the things that we need to do to keep society running. I think we saw with Omicron what happens when you just say, oh, it's mild, and so let's not worry about it. It can really disrupt a lot of stuff and make people's lives pretty bad. Yeah. And I think we also realize that mild is maybe not the right word for everybody in that situation. So I think it's worthwhile to, to study it separately. 
Doctor, let's pivot to this idea of the pandemic becoming endemic or something that we live in. Here's a clip from the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He was uh, answering a question at a press conference about whether or not COVID could become endemic next year in the U.S. I think it's conceivable that we will. I mean, I hope we do. And it might even be likely if we implement a good vaccination of the unvaccinated and a really good uptake of boosting those who are fully vaccinated. Dr. Leinen, why are some people hoping that Omicron will help make the virus endemic? So endemicity is really a cultural or like a society term. It's not like a there's no scientific moment when you cross over into endemicity. It's really about us being able to continue our lives and manage the and the virus being manageable and not having these massive disruptions. I know we're sick of COVID. I am really sick of COVID. And I would love for us to be able to ignore COVID. But when we ignored Omicron, we ended up with a lot, you know, there's a lot of people in the hospital. We still have 150 patients in University of Chicago with COVID. And there's a lot of patients that are still dying of Omicron. There are things that are still being closed because of Omicron. That's not endemic. You know, influenza doesn't cause us to have to shut down a bunch of things. It doesn't cancel a bunch of flights or, you know, having whole classes of school have to go home. Mm -hmm. And that's not because we treat this differently. It's because it's making people sick and they need to stay home when they're sick. So we need to get to a place where there's enough immunity that there's a cushion that people are not able to get sick as often that we're not as vulnerable to getting sick sick enough that people need to be in the hospital or have extended times away from work. And we need to be able to have a global vaccination issue where we're able to get more people vaccinated so there's fewer of these variants coming. And that is not happening yet. We'll get there eventually, but the way we're going to get there is not by giving up and ignoring COVID. It's right. by learning to work with COVID instead of Yeah, much of the world still hasn't had sufficient access to vaccines to be able to fully vaccinate their populations. So, Yeah, we're always going to be at risk. And we were lucky that Omicron, I I do not think that Omicron was mild for many people who got it, but we were lucky that it was as mild as it was for for many of the people that got it. We may not be so lucky with the the next variant, and we are always going to be at risk of that until we figure out that we can make our workplaces safer by having more ventilation, that we can provide people with the masks that they need when they, the good masks that they need when they need to, so that we can use them for a shorter period of time to stamp out these things. When people accept and take their vaccinations, the more we push against this, the longer it's going to last. Well, you know, we we now know that uh, we've hit the peak of the Omicron surge in Chicago, uh, but we're still at 618,000 cases a day in this country. The numbers are down from over 800,000 earlier this month, Dr. Landon, but when do you think that these numbers will go down more? Well, assuming that BA2, this subvariant, um, is just a stand-in, sort of like a, a second version of Omicron that doesn't really, uh, isn't able to cause additional damage on top of that. The people that we previously had Omicron retain their protection against BA2. Then I think we can expect that the states, that there are some states that have not peaked yet. And so we need each of those states and each of those communities and each of those counties, including the rural ones where they haven't seen any Omicron yet, they all need, everybody needs to have a surge. 
And once everybody's done having their surge, then the numbers are going to be coming down for everybody. Obviously, when the largest metropolitan areas are coming down from their surge, it's going to look like everybody's coming down in the numbers. But your area isn't going to come down until you've had it. That was Dr. Emily Landon, infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago. Thanks for your time, Doc. Thank you. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.